Welcome to a special edition of Top Lines and Tales, because this week I'm on holiday in the hills of northwest Spain, overlooking the crashing waves of the Atlantic Ocean. We are this week, as always, kindly sponsored by Harborough, suppliers and manufacturers of quality livestock nutrition. As with all holidays, I brought with me a book, and it being a while since I last read it, I thought I would share it with you. Titled simply The Autobiography of an Unfortunate Bull, written in 1925, Little is known about the author, Callum Krubach, save that there were only a few copies ever produced of this book, and even less in circulation now, some hundred years later. I'll first read the preface so the non-livestock person can get a feel for the contents. The story itself is written partly in the Doric, a language hailing from northeast Scotland, and, and hence is a little hard to understand and just as hard to recite. But I'll do my best. This autobiography, originally written merely for the author's amusement, is published on the representation that it might prove of interest to those familiar with the business of pedigreed stock-rearing. The author does not claim the work to be a literary production, nor does he expect it to appeal to the general public, but lest it fall into lay hands, some explanations are perhaps necessary. The vernacular, which to those unfamiliar with it, may seem strange, a strange mixture of Scots and English, is that commonly spoken by the herdsmen in central Scotland. Pedigree stock rearing is one of the chief industries of Scotland where many large herds are kept throughout the country and the enthusiasm displayed by owners and cattlemen at times borders on obsession. The herd lavishes on his animal a care and affection not unworthy of human objects and great is the rivalry evinced at shows and sales. Perth where the chief combined show and sale is held in February of each year, is a veritable mecca for all stock breeders and exporters when this event takes place. Before being presented for public auction, many of the animals are fed and treated in a manner which would astound the uninitiated. No expense or time is spared preparing the young bulls for the annual sales. There are, of course, tricks in the trade, just as there are in any other business but most cattlemen keep their magic processes a profound secret, even from the owners themselves. A very critical stage in the life of an animal, and an anxious time for those interested, is when the veterinary surgeon comes to carry out the test for tuberculosis. This test, if unsuccessful, reduces the value of an otherwise excellent animal to almost vanishing point. Large prices are sometimes given for good animals, as much as 6,000 £930 having been paid for a 10-month-old bull calf in 1920. It's ever the hope of the herdsman that his charge will be the next to break a record, a hope very frequently doomed to grievous disappointment when his beloved animal, instead of winning place and price, ignominiously goes to the butcher. Callum Krubach, 1925. The Autobiography of an Unfortunate Bull by Callum Krubach. I mind the day that I was born when they were thrashing o'er the corn, and I was laying on the flare no muckle bigger than a hare, and waiting for the herd to come, for I was cold. I was by gum, and no a very kindly sect until I'd had a rub and dicked. I hadn't e very long to lie aside my mither and the kai, when in came Jimmy with a pail, beside me at my mother's rail. By Dodd, I heard him say with glee, a heifer, no a bull by gee. 
a bumper or a bull at that. A sonsy bull, both big and fat. There's no a hair that's out of place, and sick a bonny breeder's face. He stood and looked at me a wee, gave back a step and closed an e. His head he cocked to the side. Aye, aye, you'll dee, said he with pride. Then back he come and felt me ar and rubbed me with a buckle straw. He lifted me upon my feet, then pit me tame my mother's teat. He guard me sook till I was fool, and slavers running fray my moo. The boss then came upon the scene and asked Jimmy where he'd been. Come here, said Jim, and see yourself. A broad bit bull for Rothy's well. It's just a topper. Hey, look, I just been giving him a sook. Hey, man, said Mr. Pedigreed. Fegs, that's the kind we want to breed. Be good to that one, Jim, my man, and gee him all the milk you can. But here a minute, cried the boss, as he was passing out the close. I want to whisper in your ear. I didn't want the calf to hear. And pulling Jim aside from me, he tell him he would hate to see that I was drapid, no that day, for it was only Hogmanay. Said he, will car his date the morn. Say on New Year, I was born. I thought myself this wasn't fair, but what's a wee while here or there when calves are drapid every day? It doesn't muckle count, they say, with them at least that want to pass their bulls into a younger class. However new be wrecked or rang, I've kent the truth out all along. Although I lived in twenty-three, they put me for it just a wee, and called it nineteen twenty-four. I knew there's nain hast in his power to change the day that I was born, when they were thrashing of the corn. The next and week skid fleeing by, the days were stretching, <laughs> so was I. At first I bided in the byre, atween my mither and my sire, but as the weeks and months would pass, I was good out amongst the grass. Till on the second day of May, we gaed out by our nick to stay, and though I felt it cold and damp, and spent twa nights upon the tramp to keep the chilly mornings hot, I felt that this was new my lot. So rather than kick up a swarm, I sold it till the next got warm. I grew and grew and bigger grew. I fed each day till I was foo. They kept me like a fucking cock, compared with ah the other stock. On milk and kale and other things, man, it was grand. It was, by jings. The mithers I got every day was mere than I would like to say. For every ain my neighbour's tain, myself had three or four, my lane. The milk I suited fray the start would flood the half of Fraser's mart. But Jimmy, he was prude o' me, knew that was plain as I could see. He clapped and clawed me every day from head to tail and tail to tay. He told me I was dayin' fine. If I would stand the needle, sign Gangan to Perth and beat them all from Calrossi to Sultan Hoare. Of course, I never kent what he meant or where he was to hae me sent, for I had never heard of Perth or any other place on earth. The only place I kent was Hame. 
Of course I kept my gym and ah, but damned a thing of Sultan Ha. September was a bonny time. October brocked the morning rhyme. Say cold and creepy that the Kai had once again to gang in by and feed on turnips, hay and straw, instead of grass and clover braw. As firm a cell, gin time gaed on, I throve and bigger grew upon the milk of twa or three mare coos, and whiles I got a taste of booze. They combed my hair and clawed my back, at next they happed me with a sack, and for to keep my horns doon, they tied some lead around my croon. They washed me off from hay to fit, they made me stand, they made me sit, they pared my feet and guard me walk. Indeed, I did near all but talk. On Sunday nicked, December 3rd, I felt yon day that I was furred, and to the byre there came a man, a wee bit baggy in his hand. Good morning, man, he said to Jim. Stand back, let's hear a look at him. Is this the bull I've heard them say will lift the cup at Perth some day? Well, no, let's see. Hood ruined his head. By gosh, he'll dee. He will indeed. As good a yin as could wish to see, said him, and coming up to me, he jabbed me with a muckle preen, and squirted something in my een, that nipped like blazes are the time, and felt red hot like burning lime. The man he laughed, as was a joke, but Jim was wild, he never spoke. I fine could see it hurted him, ah yes, it sairly hurted Jim, to see that cruel monster cause such pain to me as that pain was. I never will forget yon bloke. He gave me such an awful shock. And though I lived to seventeen, I'll ne'er forget young Muckleprene. That buffer they call Manuel, I'll see him roasting first in hell. No pleased with that, he come again, with something like a wee glass pen, about the thickness our straw, and gave my rump a scar or twa, but need I tell you any mare? The next jab wasn't quite so sair. What happened new, you'll kent the rest, for he was mucking up my test. His bag was hinging on a hook, for which he tain a figure book, and marking doon my heat, he said, I think new Jim will gang to bed. He's our rick for an hour or twa, but later ye might gie us a car. We'll hae to take his heat again at four and six and eight and ten. Oh dear, I wasn't well that nicht. I felt the place they brugged sae sicked, and sair and swollen that I knew the heat I showed them wouldn't do. However, Jimmy kent the plan, and a eh, just as well as any man, he spent the oars aside o' me. Our nicht he never closed an e, and next day to a great surprise, my heat, they tellt us, wouldn't arise. The man he gave the boss a sheet that showed I had a perfect heat. I thought myself it was a lee, and so did Jim, as well as me. But we were wrong to er delect, the test and everything was wrecked. At last the sails come very near, for February month was here. In three days knew I would be off to Perth, the broarest looking calf that would be there for any part in old John Fraser's cattle mart. On Friday next, both Jim and I, the boss and other seven kai, along with Peter, Jimmy's wain, gaed swinging doon the road at Ain, 
The station wasn't far awa', the train not due till half past twa. See, we had plenty time to spare, a full half hour, or maybe mare. To bide afore the train was due, frae two o'clock to half past two. Say, to pass the time, I took the twa nurse kai and had a souk. To help me on the journey there, I thought that this was only fair, since I was gone off in the train, to maybe no come back again. I felt so sad to leave my hame. I kent I'd never be the same if at the sails I lost my Jim, for I was ice of fond of him. We had been pals for oor a year since ever I was born here. We never kept apart a day, but knew that we had gone away at Perth. We'll hate to part, I fear. Never mare will I be here. Ach, well, we canna help it new. It's I the same the world through, both in the present and the past. The best of friends mourn split at last. Say here's to Jim, and here's to me. Good luck to us where we'll be. At Perth, a modest little tune, for a train arrived afore the moon had cast its silver shining ray upon the ripples of the Tay. It was a cold and frosty air, the wind was whirling everywhere. The stir was fleeing up and doon as we gaed merchant through the tune, to find our places in the ha and bide until we got the car on Monday morning in the mart to come and let the judges start. For Friday next to Monday morn we spent the most of our time snoring, because we sailly needed rest, so that we are mak look our best, when foreign buyers come to see how muckle for us they would gee. I mind the first nicht I was there, I lay wrecked in below the stair. No just a very handy cell for bulls like me to show their cell. But no a damn day some folks care except for high and hedians there, whilst me and Jim and other folk are only common vulgar stock. With breeders that they dinner ken, they say, to hell, an outside pen is good enough for folk like you. For by ye morn remember new, that fray this place and all above it are meant for buddies like Lord Lovett. And then fray here down to that gutter are kept for men like Thomas Butter. And this is John McGilvery's. Say mine new, what we says, we says. But I was saying a wee ago, the first nacht I spent in below the stair, I lay and watched the folk as they gaed by to see the stock. I heard them criticise the heats the want of thighs and other needs, the colours and the helm's tea, and everything that wouldn't eddy. I heard a man that looked at me say to his neighbour, Will this be? You think the bull that Mowbray said had sick and awful bonny head? His number, one, one, three, no, it's twelve. Get up, you brute, and show yourself, said he, giving me a mighty kick and hitting us with a muckle stick. Get up, you lazy, ugly lout, and then give me another clout. I rose, of course, and so would you, if you had been another coup. But are the same, it's hardly fair, I think, at sales or anywhere, that men like that should hail erect to make a stand both day and nicht. If some folk would demare for us, and no make such a blooming fuss, a boot were gans to star or pen, they'd get on better with the men. I mean with men that sends their stock 
for to be silt like other folk. Ah well, suppose it's I the same, when folks consider rank and name, to kick the buffer eye that's doon, and worship him that wears the croon. The next day, early in the morn, when I was busy at my corn, I saw a man of far awa examine every single star, and in his mouth a wee cigar. You can, of course, it was Stranra, the man where I could get the best, because he's up afore the rest. Is nothing passes yon lad's ee, say wrecked away he fixed on me. He puffed and puffed and whirls a pout and blew the reek down through his snout. Then give me a gentle touch, and looking as if nothing mattered much, the world we him seemed awful slow. It's easy come and easy go, but mind you this, just mark my word, yon man is I the early bird, and though his world looks like a dream, all things are not just what they seem. I believe he thought that I was good, enough for him to hay a bid. For pencils I could see he took, and marked something in his book. Whoever be that rector rung, he didn't bide aside us long. He went to where I'm almost sure, frae my store in below the stair, to gang and summon young Bertie to come and hay a look at me. I can't he did, and I was wrecked. Atween me and the window lect, I saw them baith come doon the stair, first nodding here, then nodding there, tiff folk they kent as they gaed by, until they reached the place where I had lain doon on my straw bed to rest myself when I had fed. But no, at me they didn't stop, and truth to tell it was a drop, for me because they went wrecked ben to some place else at the other inn. It was a disappointment, sure, them passing like a blast of store, no paying any heed to me, they didn't even seem to see that Jim was standing by my side, admiring me with constant pride. Says I to Jim, there's something wrong with they twa men that passed along. I'm sure they meant to use a look, for I saw Matthew mark his book when he was standing at my back. But maybe there's been some mistake. Perhaps he mark it doon or no. But should that happen, be so, I dinna ken what's in his mind. He surely maun be awful blind. But, Jim responded, for a cheer, the prices is what coons up here, and if we get twa hundred quid, we'll no care who puts in a bed, Bob Duncan, Matthew, or Mill Hill, or Jimmy Sidney, or John Gill. It's all the same to you and me, whoever will just have to wait and see. At nine o'clock, or half-past nine, we are guide merchant in a line, out to the street to shoe ourselves, for nent the judges and the swells, while stood around among the wheat to see the bulls parade the street and watch the winners being picked and our the badgins being kicked back to their places once again we disappointed cattlemen we walked round the ring at least twa times or thrice till every beast had been examined by the men and only eight or nine or ten were, were kept it outside on the street and this they card the winners leet but where new do you think was I? When all the bulls were merching by, was I among the leet or no? I wasn't certain yet, although I kent they couldn't pass me out. They couldn't just give me the boot, cause I happened to be born when they were thrashing o' the corn. Well, here's what happened in the ring, along with mony other thing. As I came up from the door, 
Hey dear, it hurt me. Uncle saw. I saw the judges look my way and thought that they meant to let me stay. Till yon big man, Azut the Hare, who's no a judge and nay wrecked to be there, came forward with his muckle stick and gave me such a blooming lick. He's no a judge, say why should he hae anything to do with me or any other bull beside? when all the judges should decide what ain's to keep and what to throw, afore they tell the rest to go inside again back to their star. Deed, that's no fair, no fair of ah. The big man standing by the gate soon told both me and Jim our fate. He shooted oot as we come near. Hi, take that bull in oot o' here. Come on, no please, quick as you can. So here I was and also ran. I ain't again, no luck had we, nobody seemed to care for me, except my Jim, and he, poor man, was sair upset, for he began, when we got inside after street, to curse and swear and roar and greet. Ah, what's about it, Jim, says I, cheer up, my man, we'll no say die until we see the price I get, for by you'll maybe hate to let me aim again, along with you. Indeed, that's what I'd rather do. Because I'd like to bide with thee, ripped up until the day I dee. Just dick Tyreen, aye, that's the thing. You'll see that ain't I'm in the ring, and Lovett's mouth is open wide. He'll draw the bids free every side. And if he cannot make them buy, there's no a living soul need try. The man's a marvel in yon box, the way he watches ah the fox, and gars them buy against their will. A coo, a heifer, or a bull, he makes them think that every stot is I the bestion o' the lot. And if there's yin he canna sell, he screws his moose and says, Ah, well, we'll let him gang, just pass him oot, the doncy ugly-looking brute. He's only good for butcher's roll. In fact, the place for him's a hole. When Jim got o' his first setback, because nay tickets did I tack, he felt mere cheered and said to me, We'll base just hate to bide a wee, and if ye bring in plenty pay, I'll no care nane about the way they chased ye inside fray the ring for siller. Effort, that's the thing. The prizes dinner count say high when folks with guineas want to buy. I never cared o'er much for cards, nor yet for judges, nor for lads. Though dootless tickets count with some, but me and you, we didn't a come to Perth to glorify our name. By batting bulls and men of fame, for glory only blows the pride and makes a buddy get aside. It ill becomes both men and beasts to think that they can, in the least, add to the handiwork of fate by showing airs. I simply hate to see a fellow creature crawl about himself, for after all, there's nay a single passing day belongs to us, and we ourselves belong to heaven or to hell, depending on the Lord is grace, who guards the fortunes who are race. Toros gade by with selling stock till nearly half past three o'clock, when my time then come dragging near, and Jim was standing by with fear and trembling at the passage door, there biding till he heard the roar. The next John in, number one one two, righto said Jim, that's me and you, and gien me a gentle clap, he said, "Come on, my little chap, we'll see what we can do in there, 
I hope you'll make three times and mare as any bull that's through the ring and selling in front of you. Mind, hold up your head and your back. You won't remember no to slack. I saw as Jim and me guide in that Lovett Fraser very soon would hear salt and oot again, blanging maybe who would ken to some great man that wanted me to sail awar across the sea. For when he saw us in the ring, he shouted, No, here's just the thing you want to buy, he's passed the test, and just you know the very best. Come on, new gentleman, how much? A splendid colour, and his touch is like a piece of velvet fluff, though maybe he's a wee bit rough. He's just in off the grass, they say, and no been forced in any way. Who much, then, gentlemen, for this? Mind, here's a chance you shouldn't miss. A Susan, will I say to start, a hundred, thirty, bless my heart. You surely want a bargain new, but Mecty, this will never do. No thirty for a bull like that. The bull would make it sell in fat. Wheel twenty, twenty, will I say. No bed, well, fifteen, that will day. To start me off, fifteen I'm bed for fifteen shillings, fifteen quid. For fifteen guineas I will sell this bonny bull for Rothy's well said Lovett, looking here and there, with much lament and great despair. I never heard the like before, just fifteen guineas, nothing more, for this great bull. The thing's a shame. I think you'd better take him home. He whispered o'er oh, to Jim and me, there's near another bid, you see. But just at that, the twar the men put up their catalogues, and then the bidding started off anew, and up by single pounds it flew, until it reached the modest sum of thirty guineas, then by gum it stuck, and no a bawby mare would any man or woman there advance for me, say thirty pound, was ah the siller in the round. Just thirty pound, a bloomin' shame, for then the hammer doon it came, as Lovett shouted, going, gone, saying out we guide, and thereupon, when we got outside of the ring, I saw the most distressing thing. No sooner had we got outside, then Jimmy dropped by my side. He fell and never moved a limb, and when the doctor come to him, he whispered as he shook his heed, I doot, I doot, the poor man's deed. My Jimmy did, said I with pain, and knew I'm left a hint my lane. Eh dear, that's awful news to tell, I might as well be deed myself, for he was all the world to me, Say, tuck me new where I can dee. The doctor said who grieved he felt, for Jim, poor man, and then he telt the folks that gathered round about that death was caused beyond a doot by shattered hopes and sudden grief because his bull was selt for beef. He seemed a butcher nod his heed, and that was what had done the deed. My Jimmy broke his hurt for me, so tuck me new where I can dee. No life for me was at its end, since I had lost my only friend. Oh, Jim, my Jim, this cruel fate, I groan with bitter burning hate, against the emptiness of faith that builds us hopes to lay them lace, that fills with love and joy and hope a cunning artificial dope, which in the end just mocks your trust and drags your soul doon through the dust, the price of faith and all belief is surely bitter pain and grief. 
I kent it's wrong to speak these things, to question what the Lord he brings upon us, but it's hard to bear a loss that maxed the heart, say, sir. Far better I had no been born when they were thrashing o'er the corn, cause them that's never lived to see the lictor day can never dee, nor can they even see unfurled the horrors of this wicked world. Alas, poor Jim has gone to rest, He's gained to join the ever-blessed, And left behind a grieved pal, Where his happy recollections shall Forever be your tender care, And new Malastine's earnest prayer Is that we both may meet once more On that bright, distant, happy shore. My end was near, I didn't care, I couldn't have thole this any mare, Ere lang I kent that there morn be A happy hame for Jim and me, where well, we could curry side by side, there to eternally abide. They quickly led me frae the shed, and made me doon a scanty bed in some wee byre aside twa kai, a butcher's killing hoose nearby. In there I spent my life's last day, in there my hen maist bite a hay, and neeps, and in the morning sun the cruel and bloody deed was done. A muckle hammer struck my head atween my een, and killed me deed. The book, the autobiography of an unfortunate bull, was reprinted in 2013 and is now available on Amazon. Thank you for listening to Top Lines and Tales, when once again we've been sponsored by Harbro, suppliers and manufacturers of quality livestock nutrition and nutritional advice. Visit their website or Facebook for more information. And whilst on the subject of Facebook, why don't you visit the Top Lines and Tales Facebook page where you'll find more information regarding this episode.